Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Molly Patrick from Clean Food, Dirty Girl. Um, let me click this button real quick. Uh, I always worry, and I'm glad I got it out, Clean Food, Dirty Girl, because I always think, clean girl dirty food and i'm gonna i'm gonna yes. mess that up and but i but it's such a great name it's such a catchy name so i want to get us there but first and foremost um thank you so much for joining us this morning your evening um i really appreciate the time thank you for having me matt i'm super excited to be here and yeah my pleasure and you are not the only one that gets that name wrong by the way they're like uh, a lot of people get that wrong. Even like I have family members who are still like, what's your website? Dirty food, something like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're not alone in that. <laughs> I don't know. You, I, I remember it. It's super catchy, but, but I always like, you know, I just have to like stop myself and think like, which one's the clean and oh, right. Right. It's clean food. It's clean food. That makes sense. But then she's dirty anyway. Um, so it is a, an organization you have a big team now and a lot of different ass, uh, uh, assets i should say uh, uh areas of focus for clean food dirty girl all mm-hmm. centered around helping people eat more plants while celebrating human imperfection which i think is such a cool mission and one that really resonates with me we always talk about trying to get people to, to eat more plants and not being judgmental and all of that so it it definitely aligns. Um, maybe that's a place to start. How, um, let's see, I guess there's two elements to this. Um, probably the first one is, what is your origin story? How did you come to that business? Um, you know, if, you can take that any direction you want, starting at birth, starting at kind of how you became vegan. Um, if you call yourself vegan, maybe it's just plant, uh, plant-based, um, since you celebrate human perfection, I can't imagine you're too, too staunch with any of that stuff. Um, but I'd love to kind of hear your, your story. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk a little bit more about the, the organization and, and the business origin story. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I actually, I've never eaten meat in my whole life. So uh-huh. I was raised vegetarian. My parents were uh, super hippies. My mom, <laughs> when my mom was little, I mean, the whole time growing up, she really did not like meat. And her grandfather was a butcher and her dad owned a grocery store. And so there was a lot of meat and it would make her really sick and they forced her to eat it at every meal. And so she always thought, okay, once I can leave home, I'm never going to eat meat again, which is what she did. And she ended up, um, you know, going vegetarian herself. And then later, um, she went plant-based in 1997, but so I was raised, I was just raised that way. I I've never eaten meat. And then when I went out on my own, I went to college, I went out into the world. I just never picked it up. It was like, I'd had it. I've never had it. And I, I had no desire for it. So I just kept, kept on with it. And so that was, I, I never had that transition from going, you know, going vegetarian or then going plant-based. It was like, I was vegetarian. And then in 2000 and I want to say nine ish, um, I went, I dropped the eggs and the dairy and started to eat a vegan diet. And then in 2014 ish, I started eating a really healthy, um, 
whole, I started focusing more on like whole plant foods and doing the whole food plant-based thing. So that's sort of been my trajectory with all of that. And I have to say, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, when I transitioned from doing kind of eating a vegetarian diet to a vegan diet, I was really surprised at how much better I felt with just dropping cheese and, um, eggs and like cream in my coffee. Like I didn't, I didn't expect to feel much different, but I really did. I was like, wow, there is really something to this. Um, and then I, you know, continued on from there. That's awesome. Um, did you call it a convenient vegetarian diet? Does a convenient veget? I, I, I thought you had some, some C word. <clears throat> Out, but, but look, it actually, it, it fits perfectly. While most people don't start out vegetarian, you, mm-hmm. you had a, a head start. You know, it, it certainly resonates with me because it almost seems, and certainly it was the case for me, that you have the convenient vegan diet, right? Yes. Which is the junk food vegan, yeah. right? As soon as you start, most people, I, I would venture to guess it's definitely a majority, you know, don't start off with whole food plant-based, right? Like, yeah. Certainly there are some followers of Esselstyn, you know, and to like the, the food for life type that, you know, they're post heart attack and like they go straight into sweet potatoes and quinoa. But I would imagine that the vast majority of people are coming in it from the, the standpoint of, I know I want to eat this way. I don't know how to eat this way. So I'm going to take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Right. And, and so you think anything that says vegan and then, whether or not, I think a lot of people then end up falling off the wagon, unfortunately, probably not a great term because I, I want to get into to your journey with sobriety. Um, but they, they end up not sticking to that goal because they don't feel good, right? And it's such an yeah. important transition. I'm not a purist by any means. Like I, I got three little boys and, you, you know, we, we eat our fair share of, of, uh, highly processed vegan cheese, you know? Um, mm-hmm. however, you know, if, if your, your food is centered around whole plants and that's, you know, maybe 80%, whatever the percentage is, um, you can feel really good and it helps you maintain that mm-hmm. trajectory. I, I'm curious because clean food, you know, became so ingrained with you personally and in, in your brand, what was that transition? Why, why did you make that jump from 2009 to 2014 and, and really move into to clean food being so core to, to what you do? Yeah. And I will say too, I'm not a purist either. And I, um, I eat plant-based all the time. I eat gluten-free all the time. Um, but there's plenty of times, like if there's a, if there happens to be a gluten-free vegan croissant, like I'm all about it, right? There's like, it's, I'm not hundred percent. And I, and I certainly um, think that having that wiggle room is really important for people who want to stay on this path. So I definitely, although I eat the majority of the food that I eat is whole food plant-based by no means it's hundred percent. And I don't ever want to strive for it to be 100%. Um, but I think like, I just started reading more and I just started, um, reading about it. I started getting into Dr. Gregor and watching his videos and I just, I kind of got educated about it. And the more I, I learned about it, I thought, well, this kind of makes sense. So I want to see, like, I was, it was really just kind of like a curiosity thing. Like, I want to see how I feel. Cause if I felt 
that good going from kind of a vegetarian diet to eating more like processed vegan foods. Um, and, and I would say that I ate healthier with that transition, but there was still, you know, like vegan butter and vegan cheese and, and, um, you know, vegan pizza and stuff like that. So I was just curious, like for one, it just resonated with me for two. I was like, well, I want to see how, how good I could feel. The other thing is I was, I quit drinking in 2015. And so I think I was sort of overcompensating for my otherwise very unhealthy lifestyle. It's like, okay, well, if I'm drinking and if I'm smoking cigarettes, then I, you know, should probably be eating as healthy as I can, (laughs) which it doesn't make a ton of sense, but at the time it made perfect sense to me. Um, And the other thing is I wanted to start playing around in the kitchen and developing recipes that were whole food plant-based without relying on olive oil or vegan butter or vegan cheese. And so it was sort of like a combination of all of those things. Um, Curiosity wanting to, um, you know, kind of develop a new skill of creating recipes without those ingredients and just feeling really guilty for treating my body like shit by drinking and smoking and wanting to compensate for that. Um, I want to, I want to stay on this because I still want to get to the name clean food, dirty girl. Um, and maybe we're, we're going to tell that story just through these different little tangents. But, um, one thing that you mentioned was this idea of compensation, right? You're, you're drinking and smoking cigarettes, but you're compensating by eating really healthfully. And, um, and, and I am certainly no expert. You have more experience in this, but I have definitely struggled with my fair share of obsessions and compulsions and addictions and desires and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that tendency um, maybe, I, I don't know, there's some, there's something there and it's, it's not a well-formed um, question because I hope that you'll just kind of speak to it in an open-ended way but I wonder, like, does that work? You know, in your experience mm-hmm. with 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 um, both your 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 journey, you know, drinking, smoking, eating, right, and and what you've learned personally and what you've seen uh, amongst your large community, because um, it seems to me like for me, I'm kind of an extremist where it's like, you know, I'm either you know going to drink and and probably drink too much or more than I I I. Uh, want to. Um, and if I do, then I'm like, ah, you know, I'm going to have the veggie burger. Right. Cause like, you know, once, once you're, once you're going, you might as well go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then I'm going to have ice cream after. Cause like, but tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to my healthy lifestyle and I'm going to, I'm going to swing that pendulum mm-hmm. the other way and I'm going to eat super duper healthy. But then mm-hmm. you, you eat that way for a certain period of time. And then like life happens and, and you, you're just like, I need that release. I just want to be you know, kind of, I just, I don't know, whatever that release is for each person. And then, you know, it's kind of this like pendulum, right? Um, so I'm curious if you could, like I say, it's it's not a, the perfectly worded um, question because I didn't anticipate diving into this stuff, but, <laughs> but it's so interesting to me because I, I, for my own personal selfish reasons, I think a lot about this stuff and like, how do you find that balance? You know, or maybe it is just a pendulum swing and, and it balances that over, over longer periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. And I like the contrast of this conversation and of this idea. And I think I remember 
back when I had, I had, let's see, I'd gone vegan, still drinking, still smoking, um, trying to eat as healthy as I could in the realm of, you know, no animal products, but I would go on like these fasts and I would do like a juice fast, for example, or I would do like a raw food fast for a certain amount of time. And it was very, it it was very extreme. It was like, okay, I'm drinking nothing but green juice and meditating and doing yoga for, you know, 14 days. And then slowly, but surely get back into an unhealthy lifestyle. So that pendulum has definitely swung many, many times for me. And I think for me, like when, and you said, you kind of said, you'll, you'll go along until you kind of need that release and then something will happen. And then you kind of maybe drink more than you would normally, or eat more processed food than you would normally. And what I have found through my journey anyways, is that when I learned how to feel my emotions and regulate my emotions without anything external, that pendulum stopped swinging so extreme. So it was like, that was really my internal world that I didn't have a handle on. And I wasn't looking at in the right way. I was looking externally to kind of solve an internal problem or an internal state that I wasn't comfortable with. And when I stopped doing that, that's when it sort of, everything became more regulated and it was sort of peaceful and consistent and so much easier. (laughs) So I don't know if that resonates, but that was, that's been my experience. No, it definitely resonates. You know, there's um, um, a a phrase that comes to mind is kind of committing to feeling all the feelings, right? And, uh, and that's something that's really hard, you know, Um, at least in, in my experience, it's not something that I grew up with, right? Um, In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think in a lot of, particularly, you know, in in our U.S. culture, um, you know, feelings are not, not necessarily the, the lead story in one's mind or, or brought up at the dinner table, right? Or, you know, mindfulness and yoga and, you know, meditation more specifically is not taught in school, you know? Yes. Um, and instead, what, what happens is a lot of suppression of those feelings. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, we all, I mean, it's like that song goes like uh, everyone's, you know, working for the weekend, right? And it's like, because that's when they get to like, you know, be free or have that release, you know, and, and certainly what you said resonates for me is at some point, I, I actually, um, my, my mindfulness journey, my meditation practice has definitely gone up and down over the years, but, mm. but more recently, I've really rededicated myself. And now I find that like, you know, as you say, it, it's sort of that consistency, because I know mm. that like, if I go to bed late, right? For any number of reasons, because I was working and drink caffeine late, or I had friends over and I drink wine or whatever it might be, like, I'm not going to get up the next morning, you know, at the same time that I want to. And if I don't have time to kind of center myself and do that meditation, like before my kids get up, then like my whole day is different. And so all of a sudden, I don't drink that wine, or I make sure not to drink caffeine 
too late because I'm thinking about tomorrow morning and that meditative practice because I want tomorrow to be the day that I kind of designed in my head. And so it it's that self-perpetuating kind of virtuous cycle that to your point, you know, you create that consistency and it actually gets easier, right? Mm. Like it sounds harder when before you start it. Um, but in fact, like waking up hungover and behind schedule and like frantic and you're sweating because like, yeah, it's like, it's actually a lot harder as it turns out, yeah. right? Like it may yeah. be easier in the moment when like your friends come over and, you know, it's easier to say, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll have some wine with you, you know, but like longer term over time, you know, it is, it is a harder approach to life in my experience, at least. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I think instant gratification is very rewarding in, in many ways. And, you know, we trade that so often we choose that over sort of this long-term consistent, even life. And I also think that, you know, kind of circling back to the, we're not taught how to feel our feelings. We're not, that's not something that we have much experience with. Um, instant gratification is very good for, uh, you know, as an alternative to not feeling your feelings. And, and I think that I want to stay there just for a moment because, and I think one reason why we aren't as, because most adults don't. I mean, a lot of adults don't even know what they're feeling. I mean, really, you don't can't separate their emotions or can't identify their emotions and, you know, have never processed an emotion or, you know, spend no time there. Um, and certainly when a challenging emotion comes up, the knee jerk reaction is to change it, you know, to make it go away. And I think the like one of the big missing pieces here is that we have this met this, we're conditioned to think that challenging emotions are, are kind of bad. And it's something that we shouldn't feel when really like we are, you know, humans are so amazing. We have these, this whole wide range, right. That we're capable of feeling. And I, and, and I think that when we can kind of put that down and accept that none of them are bad and they're all just here for experiencing them, we won't so quickly try to change it when something challenging comes up, like feeling sad or lonely or, um, you know, anxious. And, and that can really, then once we, once we get in that habit and practice, cause that is a practice feeling, feeling our emotions is certainly a practice. Once we can start doing that, I think we'll have less need for instant gratification because we're not trying to like cover up the stuff that doesn't feel so good. Yeah. No, you, you hit the head, uh, you hit the nail on the head for me. You know, I have found that, um, uh, what I, my mantra, you know, uh, as much as possible, as much as anyone can be mindful on a day-to-day -day basis, especially when you have three kids under four and, you know, different business, uh, endeavors and, you know, uh, human psyche to deal with, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is a big preface. I want to make sure yeah. that, you know, I never come across as being anything close to, uh, to a functional human, um, <laughs> human imperfection. That's something yes, you and I exactly. share. Um, but it's like, when you feel that feeling, whatever that feeling might be, I always try to remind myself like this, this is where growth happens. You know, like this, this discomfort is telling me something you know, and like, 
first of all, when you then take control of your mind in that way and you start noticing who is noticing, you know, and you start to think actively, which like, you know, again, feeling feelings, thinking about those feelings, right? Like this is the general practice of mindfulness. So no, no, no big revolution here, but in my own experience, it is so transformative because if you can pause and you can say to yourself like, okay, what is this feeling teaching me, right? Like what, what is it I'm supposed to see or hear from this? Like, why, why do I feel this way? It's like, oh, well, you, you know, this happened and, and, you know, or maybe like, what could I have done differently so that person didn't do this? Or like, or maybe this is actually just, you know, kind of my lizard brain having a chemical mm-hmm. reaction. Like I just need to keep going. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, so sometimes there's nothing to learn and it is truly just a, just a, a, a reaction, a response to your environment or to some stimuli. Um, but sometimes, and most often I find that like deep down, you know, if there's discomfort, there's there's something there to kind of explore and learn from and grow from. Yeah, that's like the good news and the bad news, right? It can this, <laughs> we can allow this to kind of be our our navigation in a way. Um, one thing that I like to tell myself when I start feeling those things, you know, discomfort, anxiety, fear, um, sadness, is to remind myself, like, okay, nothing has gone wrong. Like you're yeah. having a human experience. Nothing has gone wrong. You don't need to make this go away. Just sit with this and a, like allowing an emotion to be present. It, even though it, before you do it, it seems like frightening. It seems so scary yeah. to do that. But once you do it, there's like this relief and it's like, oh, okay. I don't have to make that go away. I can just sit with it. Like that is incredible. And you learn, you do learn so much and then you really can like, oh, that came up from me. Like, what can I learn from that? Or what, you know, or just maybe this is an opportunity to, to, to feel this right. And to let it pass through me instead of getting stuck. And I'm going to tell you a little story quickly. So in 2018, my oldest sister was diagnosed with um, stage four metastatic breast cancer Mm. And it was like a couple days after I got the call from her and she let us know. And I was um, getting in my car to go to the grocery store and I was just feeling all, all the, I was just feeling like, so my chest was feeling so heavy, but I didn't want to sit with it. I just, the whole you know first couple of days after that phone call, I made myself really busy I was like, okay, I'm just going to like cook a bunch of food. I'm going to watch a bunch of TV. I'm going to, you know, just whatever to, to distract myself. And I got in my car and the first thing I did was turn on my radio. And then I reached for my phone to call a friend. And there was like this voice that was like, Molly, stop, turn off the radio, put down the phone. Like there's nothing that anybody can say to you right now. There's no message that some song can give you. There's nothing that your best friend can tell you. There's nothing that your mom can tell you that is going to make this okay. So just have it not be okay. And as soon as I got that, like I pulled over the car and I just started crying, you know, and I was like, it's not okay. And I I'm letting it not be okay. And that was such a powerful moment for me because I think although I had felt the feelings in the past, cause this is after I quit drinking. It was like, I, I was, ex- I had experienced like my own stuff 
But this was the first time that something externally that was really, really challenging, you know, was presented to me. And so it was a really powerful moment. And it, and that changed really, that changed me. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, if I can do that with something big, then where else can I allow space for myself to just stop reaching for things when it gets hard? Yeah. And by the way, like, and that was after I quit drinking and smoking, but you can reach for plenty of things that isn't alcohol or drugs. I mean, there's you know, plenty of sugar and, and social media and, and TV and shopping and sex and you name it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's those things can all be used to, uh, to not feel the hard stuff. Yeah. And exercise by the way, sure. I mean, that, which yes. is my, my drug yes. of choice, not, yes. not to make light of drugs, but like it is, I mean, fundamentally when we get down to it, it's like dopamine, right? Like, you know, regulating your dopamine and like, you know, exogenous, endogenous, you know, sources of happiness, right? And like figuring out, because to your point, you know, you can get lost in a lot of different activities. Some are good in a lot of ways, right? And like, you probably would, should choose exercise over, you know, drinking any day of the week, right? But like, you should still acknowledge you know, what are your coping mechanisms and what are you doing to, to maybe not feel what you're supposed to feel? Um, but th- thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I'm, I'm curious, because uh, I feel like we could, you keep going down this, this uh, rabbit hole, um, this really, uh, you know, amazing rabbit hole, because um, uh, I could talk to you for hours about this just as a friend. Um, but bringing it back to your story so that our community gets to know you better. You were raised by super hippies, as you call it, um, call them. Uh, at what point did this mindfulness, yoga, meditation, you know, movement, that all seems to be a, a really core part of your health story. Um, but that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of hippies that don't meditate, do yoga. So I'm curious, did that come at an early age? Was it part of your journey to sobriety? Just, just kind of help us build out how Molly came to be. Yeah. Well, there was certainly um, some influences in, in that realm growing up, certainly with, with yoga and I don't know, drum circles and um, (laughs) mindfulness and, you know, an array of like sweat lodges and, you know, you, you know, hot springs and full moon meditations. And there was certainly, you know, plenty of that sprinkled in my, my childhood and my kind of formative years, but I was always very against all of that. I always thought it was very weird. I was very embarrassed that my, you know, parents were like this. I grew up, um, with an outhouse. We didn't have like, you know, indoor plumbing for a long time. Um, you know, we ate very, very healthy. My mom cooked all of our food and she had a big garden and grew all of our veggies. And, you know, it just wasn't like most kids. And so I sort of, I mean, looking back now, I'm so thankful that I was raised that way. Um, but at the time I just wanted a normal life. Like I wanted an indoor bathroom and I didn't want to be embarrassed when I had friends over. Right. Um, but there was definitely like I was exposed to a lot of that stuff. And so none of this stuff was, you know, as I got older and started integrating it into my life, none of this stuff was a stretch for me. It all was like, oh yeah, that, okay. So I guess it actually wasn't bad, right? Like I had a neighbor who um, brewed her own kombucha like in 1989. 
and she was like really into kombucha. Then, right? So and where where was this? In New Mexico, in southern New Mexico. Okay. Got yeah. It. And so it was a it, it wasn't a leap. It wasn't a stretch. I was a, I was always very familiar, and I think I I always incorporated to a certain extent aspects of this into my life, even when I wasn't making really healthy choices. But I think that it was about that. Well, that's familiar to me and I know that it's healthy and I know that I'm not making particularly healthy choices. So maybe that will create some kind of balance in my life. So I don't go too far off the rails. It was like, I was always kind of, um, I always held to some healthy practices to kind of tether myself in fear of going all the way into a very dark place. Hmm. Yeah. And, and what is your meditation, yoga, mindfulness, health practices look like today? No, obviously not thinking about nutrition, which I think we can all guess. Yeah. So I have a morning practice that's about 45 minutes to an hour. And I do a whole movement series that combines a whole lot of things from a lot of different modalities um, that I have experienced in my life that I've kind of meshed together into this yoga slash breathwork slash myofascial release slash meditation. So I do that every morning. Um, I practice mindfulness throughout the day. I meditate not every single day, but certainly three, four or five times a week. Um, and most importantly, I just try to be consistently mindful, present and making healthy choices throughout, like on a daily basis, not being perfect, right. And not getting too wrapped up in being perfect, but just sort of doing it consistently, evenly sort of taking that middle, middle road without swinging too far one way or the other, because I think that being, you know, a person who does have a lot of experience with extremes, um, it's important for me to kind of, you know, not hold super tightly to one thing, even if that is meditation, even if that is eating really healthy, even if that is exercise. So I try to just stay right in the middle and do it just like enough to have a benefit and that I can do it consistently, but not overboard with any of it. That's awesome. Um, and then you mentioned practicing mindfulness throughout the day. What, what does that look like for you? Cause I think well, a lot of people, when they say yeah. mindfulness, it's like meditation, you know, the, the pure sit and be with your thoughts and whatever that looks like transcendental or, um, and then we talked a little bit about, you know, sort of when you feel those feelings and sitting with those feelings and just translating those feelings into some level of thought, right. And, and, you know, active minding of the shop, so to speak in your mind. Um, yeah. uh, but what does that look like for, for you? And I mean, and, and practically speaking, you know, yeah. for someone who wants to live more mindfully, like what are some tips that you can share that, that help you do that consistently throughout the day. So what that looks like for me is I pay attention to whatever is in front of me. If I'm, if I'm eating lunch, I am paying attention to the food. I am present with the company that I'm with. I'm listening to the person speaking. I am, I am 
in my body and in my head, right? If I am taking a shower, I'm in the shower, right? I'm noticing the water. I'm feeling the sensation of the water on my skin. I'm not going too far in my head about what might happen tomorrow and this is going to happen. And what about this? And, um, you know, our monkey mind can just be so full all the time. So on a daily basis, I practice coming back to whatever is in front of me and just being there with it. Whether if, you know, I've been in Paris, I've been on the, the Metro a lot, right? So whether I'm on the train or walking or going to bed or talking with you, like I'm, I'm here with that. So it's that constant kind of awareness of like, come back, come back to what's in front of you. And if what's in front of you, if it's a phone call you get, or if it's some news that you get, that isn't so nice or an email that comes in that kind of makes your heart race and you get nervous, like that's what I, that's where I am, right? Whether it's something really, really happy and exciting, like that's where I am. So it's just the practice of like coming back to wherever you are and noticing What's going on, like right in front of you? What is life presenting you at this moment? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, how do you do that practically? Right, like <laughs> I want to keep pushing you because, like, you know, um, do you turn off notifications on your phone? Do you? Oh, I mean, oh yes. Just to your point, yeah. like you know, being here now, right? Like, um, I, I have to imagine you don't do a lot of social media. So any, any practical tips on those yeah. lines that, that you can share with folks? Yeah. So I don't have notifications on my phone at all. I, I don't even have any, like, I, it's not even that I keep them silent. It's just, I don't, I literally don't have any on my phone. Um, I turn my ringer off most of the day. Um, on my computer, I don't have any notifications. When I turn on my computer, I, I go to work. So I have my list of stuff that I, that I do for work, or maybe there's a specific thing that I want to like research. And then I just kind of stick to that. Um, so I don't have, I kind of have a life that's free of distraction. And that's not something that I even really intentionally set out to do, but I just realized that like life is a lot easier without all the dings and the, you know, notifications coming at every angle. Um, sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I just, am, you know, silent or, you know, just whatever I'm doing is in silence, but I, I try to have the, like the least stimulation as possible on my devices. And certainly that's, that is helpful because that's something that we've never really had before. Right. That can just be such, um, uh, lead you completely away from mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. We've we've figured out how to create a modern world that is um I mean it's it's hard to use any sort of like, you know, superlative, but like probably the worst possible scenario for mental health, right? It's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we have true. all of the information ever about the world at our fingertips in real time. It's like when there's a bombing in Yemen. Like we are feeling that sorrow and that that mm. that horror and that fear, right? And then like three hours later, you know, there's some other terrible thing that happens in Asia, and there's and then three hours later, like you know, there's a debt crisis in Washington, and like and and people are you know becoming addicted to those chemical reactions in their brain, and at the same time, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier about feeling all your feelings, like we have. Um, 
you know, the, the highest rates of, um, you know, mental health crises, I guess I would, I would say without getting into the specifics of, you know, depression and anxiety and suicide, I mean, antidepressants, right. Are I, I recently heard, and someone will have to fact check me on this, um, that, uh, ADHD prescriptions. So whatever in the past, Ritalin, Adderall, that type of thing, yeah. um, now exceed all allergy and, uh, birth control prescriptions in the US. When you think about how many people have allergies and how many women are baby bearing age that are taking it, right? Like that is a tremendous, right? And like we've destroyed our kids largely, but also adults ability to like yeah. just focus on a task, right? Yeah. And not to have those yeah. constant dopamine hits that come from like Instagram, right? And so like we are compensating that with these chemical substances whether it's, you know, like I say, an ADHD type of focus medication or antidepressants, like we are really playing with some, some, some uh, forces that like humans have never had to deal with, yeah. you know, historically, it's, it's really a sad and yeah. And, and obviously, you know, I guess to wrap it up and bring it back to you, like, thank God you're out here sharing a different message because mm. at this moment we really need it. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. And I think, you know, the other thing to keep in mind too is that we've we've forgotten how to be bored. Mm-hmm. And we don't get bored anymore. Yeah. And there's and and so because of that, so much creativity is lost because we're consuming so much more now and creating so little like that balance between consumption and creation is totally way off. And as humans, like we, we are creative, right. And creativity comes in, in all forms. Um, but I think that that's, there's, there's really something to that as well, that we're, we're losing the ability to be bored and to use our imagination and to create. And we have kind of swapped that with just this constant stream of consumption that really doesn't make our lives any better. And, and really there's a big consequence for that. Um, and I will say that I am on um, clean food, dirty girl is on Instagram and um, we have a private Facebook group. And so I am on social media, but I really keep that like, so, you know, I get in and, and I get out because I see what that does. Right. And especially cause I have that kind of extreme personality. I'm like, that is like playing with fire. Like I'm in and I'm out and I don't fuck around with it because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So I really have to be, and we do, I mean, I think that we really do have to become very, um, aware and conscious about that. I know that there's people who have like different apps that they can set timers on their phones and, um, you know, to limit their, their screen time. But I know a lot of other people now are like getting flip phones and using mm-hmm. flip phones so that mm-hmm. they don't have social media on their phone or access to that kind of stuff, which I think is a pretty cool trend. Um, but, you know, my dad, who's 75, he he worked with his hands. He worked outside. He's never been, you know, he's never learned. He never learned how to use a computer or like, and he has a flip phone. And it's amazing to me because even though he's 75 and he's not in perfect health, but he, he eats mainly a plant-based diet and he goes swimming and snorkeling every day and he's doing really well. Um, he really, you can tell when you talk to him, he retains stuff and he really remembers stuff and he's not distracted. And I'm like, he's one of the most like 
you know, present people that I am ever around. And I'm like, he doesn't have any of that, you know, which is really interesting, but I think it is. I mean, we really, right now we really have to pay attention to it and be, and be really mindful of that and choose wisely. I mean, one thing that I always want to make sure that I have that balance of is, okay, I always create before I consume anything. And then I'm intentional about what I consume because I could consume all day, every day. Right. But, and like, and I don't consume nothing, but I'm just very intentional about what what I consume and I always create first. Yeah. Create before consume. I'm, I'm going to write that down because that, that is not only poetic, um, but also uh, I think such an awesome rule, especially for those of us, you know, who are in these blessed positions to, to be part of a community. Um, And it's so easy to just, fall into that passive observer status um, and not do the hard work, which is put yourself out there and, and create something that that touches people and helps people. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, I can tell you, like, I, I, I go on a daily battle with this because on the one hand, you know, in, again, in our positions, you kind of have to have, you know, a finger on, you know, social media, right? Um, we, we are so blessed to have uh, vibrant communities, both with No Meet Athlete and Compliment. Um, and, uh, you know, so I tell myself, like, well, I, I want to see what our partners are doing. You know, I want to see what Clean Girl... No. Yeah, no, no Clean Food, Dear Girl, <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> um, I'm glad I got that out in the, at the start of the conversation because I, I, I knew it was going to happen. Um, I, I'm glad that I, uh, uh, or, or I, I feel a need to, to kind of keep in touch in that way. Not, not, you know, because I should just call you. Right. But, but there's so much that like, you, you know, it's, it's a very useful tool to see what, you know, um, Forks Over Knives is talking about and see what, you know, this other vegan director is working on this documentary and like see what's going on. And, and, and then, but it's such a slippery slope because like, I love architecture. That's like my dirty secret, you know, like pastime that has nothing to do with like self-optimization, you know? And so like, right. y- you know, somehow I'll have that one account that I still follow and I'll be flipping through and, you know, trying to just, keep abreast of what's happening in the the world of longevity science and and the like you know I, I don't follow things like BBC I used to but again like I don't mm. you know I don't need whatever's happening in real time right so it's like I try to curate this perfect sort of like just our partners and people who I I'm, I'm learning from but then all of a sudden you get this like one architecture account and you're like oh well, I, I just I love that so like you follow a couple more and then within a couple of weeks, like all of a sudden you're like 50%, you know, whatever your version of porn is, you know, for like my <laughs> wife, it's like cooking channels, right? Like, and she yeah. just loves and, and there's a benefit to that. It's a release and, and it's probably not the worst habit in the world, but to your point, like it's such a slippery slope. It is so easy yeah. to just find yourself you know, kind of leaning back on that clutch crutch and yeah. like checking out for 20 or 30 minutes, right? And, but those 20 or 30 minutes don't come back, you know? And like, what did you really get from that aside from, you know, a couple of funny videos and uh, and some great recipes that you can try later, which again, not the end of the world, but so mm. slippery. And, and yeah. obviously that's probably a better use case than for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think the, the, the key 
I think is deciding ahead of time and doing it on purpose, right? If we're like, okay, my social media time is going to be from here to here. And like, I'm giving myself like, you know, 20 minutes and then doing that and really enjoying it and then going on about your day. But when we're just constantly, you know, picking up the phone and starting to scroll on this, I mean, really you can lose like hours in a day. Yeah. And so I think if you are mindful about it, there's a way to have some balance. And I think, and going back to talking about um, uh, creating before you, you consume, I even apply that to like eating, like in the morning, when I do my movement practice, I consider that creating, I'm creating energy in my body, right? I'm creating mm. um, space in my mind. Like, and, and I hear this a lot. People say, well, I'm not creative. I don't know, you know, what to do. I'm like, go for a walk and go notice like all the different colors, right? Of flowers that you see and, you know, make up a little five you know, line poem about them. Like it's so like life is so rich and and juicy and there's so many things that we can do, but like I do my movements and create that energy, create that space for myself, create that kind of flow for myself before I eat food. Right. So you can apply that to so many different things, but I will say too, the more you sort of like, it is easy to get back into kind of consuming a lot, but the the more mindful you are about it and the better boundaries you set around it for me anyways, it's gotten to the point where it's like, I'm not, I'm not really tempted because it, it's like, okay, this is boring. I don't want to like, there's so many other more interesting things I could do. Right. right? right. I'm like expressing myself, but if we don't have any outlets for that, it can be really tempting to stay there. Well, I think that, yeah, as we run out of time, um, I think it pulls us back to the start of the conversation, which is like, you know, generally speaking, you're trying to mask an emotion. You're trying to not feel something, right? And social media, exercise, alcohol, you know, like you said, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, you you name it. Again, some of these can be um, more helpful than others, right? In the case of like exercise, you know? Some of these can be more damaging than others, depending on, you know, the spectrum of drug and addiction, right? Um, And social media, for a lot of people, is an addiction. It's the same dopamine hits. And and to your point, like, I've deleted those apps from my phone. You know, I'm I'm not as good as you are. I still have notifications, right? Um, To some extent, uh, I have email on my phone, you know, but... um, I have found that like, you know, when I go to the post office, there's always a really long line, right? And I think back to myself, like 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago at this point, before there were cell phones, what would these people be doing, right? And like, (laughs) probably some portion of them would be talking to each other, which would probably help with like the societal discourse and like not yeah. hating everyone right like sets one you know yes. two like and and so like anyway I just you know I'm usually like on a call because I'm constantly multitasking it allows me to do everything that I want to do and like if I need to run an errand or stand in line at the post office like I'll listen into you know a phone call that I may not be leading right and I and I like I, I've at least reflected upon that enough to say like I'm not like you say, right? Like I'm not observing, you know, when you observe and you observe other humans in line and what they're doing, you observe the 
person behind the counter, you think about how frustrating it must be to just constantly have people coming in this long line. You, you like empathize and you create in your mind. And, and I think, you know, again, I, I think intentionality and removing some of those sensations by not having that op app on your phone because it's so easy just to click and whatever it is, just the endless scroll, you know, and it's hard. It's really, really hard because yeah. even without that app on the phone, I go to email, right? <laughs> like yeah. you can always, or or you you make a phone call, right? But like I, I just give you so much credit. Um, it sounds like you know just being with your food, just sitting there and having that intentionality to like taste all the tastes, right? Feel all the yeah. feelings. Just be yeah. be here now, as they say. Um, so as we as we wrap up, um, I want to just ask uh, quickly. Um, you obviously have plant fueled life which is your online community that folks should go and check out and join. Um, where else can they find more about Molly or Clean Food Dirty Girl? Where's the best place to connect with you and your work? Yes. So if anybody wants to know more, they can go to cleanfooddirtygirl.com. And then everything is there. Um, people can, so our, our membership is, is Plant Fueled Life. And we offer the amazing, amazing whole food plant-based recipes and meal plans. Um, I'm also a life coach, so I do coaching. Um, we have a ton of resources and plant fuel life cooking videos and um, how-to kitchen videos and all kinds of things. Um, people can make their own meal plans and all that good stuff. So, but Clean Food Dirty Girl, you can sign up for a free trial of Plant Fuel Life, but we also have a blog with tons of free recipes. Um, and then there's links to like our social media stuff. So everything anybody could need would be on cleanfooddirtygirl.com. That's awesome. And one, one final question, and that is um, if people walk away from this conversation, just remembering one thing. Um, which there's so many little tidbits in here that I hope they'll remember more than one thing. There's only one thing to leave with, maybe a billboard, as Tim Ferriss would say, mm -hmm. your metaphorical billboard that'll get to a couple hundred thousand people. Like, what's the message that you want people to walk away with? Hmm. So many to choose from. But I'm going to land on this. And it's something that we kind of covered already. But when you have the human emotion, when you start to experience human emotions that are challenging, just remember that nothing has gone wrong. And we are built to handle those moments and we don't have to run away from them. We don't have to change what's in front of us or change, you know, the our metaphorical channel, so to speak, um, we can sit with those. Nothing has gone wrong. Like we are meant to feel the feelings and by just allow, just even maybe entertaining that idea, um, and getting a little bit deeper into that. I think that your whole life can change. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, defeat the lizard brain. In other words, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, it's a day. It's a daily struggle for me, but um, Molly, thank you so much for, for opening up and sharing so much about your life, your world, your work with us. I, I'm really so grateful. Oh, thank you for having me. And I mean, really, we, I could talk for so long. This has been this has been awesome. Thank you for having me and for all the work that you do.